Welcome to Signal from the Noise by Podcast Notes, the best ideas from the world's best podcasts in minutes. Please enjoy the notes from Will Bitcoin Replace Central Banks with Lynn Alden, What Bitcoin Did Podcast. The United States created the Federal Reserve in 1913 with its primary mandate being the lender of last resort to other banks. Central bank intervention in the U.S. market caused economic contractions to be less frequent and less severe but has ultimately reduced the long-term stability of the current monetary system due to long-term debt accumulation. Centrally controlling interest rates, the cost, or price of money, is the ultimate price control that affects every other market. There are multiple things converging in this decade, the conclusion of the 70-year-long term debt cycle, the fourth turning, fractures in globalization, and the conclusion of a multi-decade commodity cycle. The volatility of the gold chart during hyperinflation in 1920s Weimar, Germany resembles the volatility of the Bitcoin chart today. Transitions to new monetary systems happen regularly throughout the history. Bitcoin is a new type of money that is unusually hard, in the sense that it cannot be easily debased because it is hard to create more of it, unlike modern fiat currencies. Many people assume that the perpetual expansion of money supply is the natural law of the universe, they never even consider a world on a hard money standard. Bitcoin has opened Pandora's box of returning to a hard money standard, but one that would be even better than the gold standard because of improvements in technology. Lynn Alden, at Lynn Alden Contact, is a macroeconomist and investment strategist who provides institutional-level research in plain English via her strategic investment newsletter, which has tens of thousands of readers, and on her website lynnalden.com. Lynn Alden joins the What Bitcoin Did podcast to discuss the history of central banks in the United States and to analyze whether or not Bitcoin will replace them. Check out these podcast notes from Lynn's appearance on the Investors Podcast. Host, Peter McCormack, at Peter, McCormack. The Coinage Act of 1792 recognized gold and silver as legal tender in the United States. There was disagreement among the founding fathers on if the U.S. should have a central bank. Alexander Hamilton was pro-central bank because he was in favor of a strong federal government. Thomas Jefferson was anti-central bank because he was more in favor of state rights. Alexander Hamilton's faction prevailed and the U.S.'s first central bank received a 20-year charter. The purpose of it was to do banking activity for the federal government. It was a small institution with limited operations. The first banking charter expired after the 20-year period and Alexander Hamilton was not around to renew it. He had died in a duel. There was a period in the U.S. with no central bank. After the War of 1812, the U.S. decided to create a central bank once more. Similar size, capabilities, charter, and purpose to the first one. The charter expired after 20 years, which began the era of free banking. The period of free banking, private money issuance that separated state and money. Private note issuances of gold and silver from private institutions, banks. Banks of various tiers of creditworthiness issue notes redeemable for gold or silver. Example, a note issued by a reputable bank in New York might be worth more than a note issued by an unknown bank from out west due to differences in the note's liquidity, the solvency of the issuer, and ultimately trust. The emergence of the Federal Reserve started in the early 1900s. Free banking in the U.S. was messier than free banking in other parts of the world. There were several banking failures in the U.S. J.P. Morgan, the person himself, was a banker in the U.S. that was acting as a lender of last resort for failing banks. 
1913, the U.S. effectively created an institution to replicate J.P. Morgan's banking services and called it the Federal Reserve. Primary mandate, be the lender of last resort if there was a large run on banks. Have sufficient reserves to backstop liquidity if there was a nationwide credit contraction. The Federal Reserve was and is still today, a pseudo-private institution that was owned and operated by a mix of people and institutions from the public and private sector. Capitalized by the banks and by the people. In response to the crisis in 1929, that led to the Great Depression, the government asserted more influence over the Fed and created things like FDIC insurance, etc. The government also took the gold from the Fed and transferred it to the U.S. Treasury. Quote, the Federal Reserve is not really federal and it has no reserves. Lynn Alden. The Fed creates reserves, but it doesn't have reserves. It creates reserves out of thin air. Determining the effectiveness of central banks in the U.S. depends on who you ask. Economic contractions became less frequent and less severe, but at the cost of long-term stability due to long-term debt accumulation. Centrally controlling interest rates is the ultimate price control that affects every other market. The U.S. was on a gold standard in the 1800s and 1900s. Bank notes were redeemable for gold. 1934, the U.S. passed a law that made it illegal for Americans to own gold, and notes were no longer redeemable for gold. Americans were forced to turn their gold into the bank and were given notes equivalent to the value of the gold they turned in. The government effectively repriced the value of gold overnight. The government now owns a lot more gold reserves, so it can create a lot more dollars. This was a form of default. The dollars were still backed by gold but Americans could no longer redeem their dollars for gold. Foreign creditors, institutions and central banks could still redeem their dollars for gold. After World War II, the United States was in a favorable position to lead the free world. Many countries shipped their gold to the U.S. during the war to protect it from theft in the event of a German occupation of their lands. With the exception of Pearl Harbor, U.S. territory was largely unaffected by the destruction of World War II. 1944, following World War II, 44 countries convened in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire to create a new global monetary system, which is now referred to as the Bretton Woods system. Dollars were redeemable for gold, and other countries would peg their currency to the dollar. American gold holdings decreased throughout the 1940s, 1950s, and 1960s while the amount of dollars in the system was increasing. It became apparent that these trends were not sustainable. Far too much paper currency was created in relation to the gold that backed it. The French called the U.S.'s bluff and sent over a battleship to collect their physical gold. Other countries followed the French's lead and mandated redemption as well. 1971, President Richard Nixon announced the temporary stoppage of gold redemption for foreign creditors. Temporary became permanent. Money is a technology. As technology advanced, the abstraction from real money gold, to representative forms of money, paper currency, also advanced. Claims on gold can easily be devalued overnight. The necessity of central banks is largely based on the technology available during a given period. Central banking is largely responsible for the long-term debt cycle. We are at or approaching the conclusion of a 70-year long-term debt cycle enabled by price controls via interest rate manipulation. Fourth turning trust erodes in public and private institutions that were created over the course of generations due to advances in technology. 
institutions become corrupted and or new technology makes them obsolete. Globalization and the commodity cycle, the arbitrage of geographic labor, energy, and commodities. We are at the point in each of these cycles where inflation becomes inevitable and difficult to control. Additionally, there has been so much debt built up in the economy that central banks cannot really raise interest rates to combat inflation. The 1940s was the last period that resembles the current environment from a fiscal and monetary perspective. Bitcoin is a new type of money that has been discovered that is unusually hard, in the sense that it cannot be easily debased because it is hard to create more of it. It has a high stock-to-flow ratio. It is decentralized and peer-to-peer. Long-term thinking, why would you want to hold any money other than Bitcoin? Short-term thinking, it's volatile, it's new, and it's small enough that governments could impose certain frictions to limit its adoption. Bitcoin could take a pretty big chunk of the global monetary share if it continues to work and gets past a couple of challenges. In theory, a free banking system could emerge using Bitcoin. Reserves would be easier to verify than on a gold standard. The current decade might be a stagflationary decade of high inflation and little economic growth. Stagflation reduces faith in central institutions. A hard money standard enabled by Bitcoin could have deflationary effects on the world. The deflationary impacts of technological advancements would be allowed to proliferate and goods and services would become cheaper. People often erroneously jump from identifying stagflation to predicting full-blown hyperinflation like what happened in Weimar, Germany in the early 1920s. The price of gold, denominated in the German mark, was incredibly volatile during this period of hyperinflation. Looked like a sine wave. Down 80% one day, up 1 million percent the next. Weimar officials tried several times to save the mark, and their efforts resulted in massive volatility, as seen below. The gold chart in Weimar, Germany resembles the Bitcoin chart today. Weimar, the collapse of the mark to gold. Today, the smaller collapse of fiat currencies to Bitcoin. Any complex monetary system requires layers. Bitcoin is the base layer. Lighting network or cash app, for example, are built on top. Different users will use different layers depending on their unique security needs and trust in various third parties. Transitions to new monetary systems happen regularly throughout the history. Bitcoin has opened Pandora's box of returning to a hard money standard, but one that is even better than gold. A shark must keep swimming or else it drowns. The current monetary system requires inflation or else it collapses. Much like how a meticulous garden requires constant maintenance or things start to get out of control, the current monetary system requires constant intervention or things start to get out of control. The current monetary system requires money supply to grow quickly enough to support all of the debt, which causes monetary inflation. Many people assume that the perpetual expansion of money supply is the natural law of the universe. They never even consider a world on a hard money standard. Bitcoin blends technology with economics and energy. Programmable, peer-to-peer money is a building block for innovations that we cannot yet predict, much like how the creation of the iPhone led to Uber. Bitcoin can completely transform energy markets. There is no Bitcoin community, it is decentralized and has gotten big enough that many different layers have developed. Cypherpunks, venture capitalists, the have fun staying poor crowd, environmentalists, investors, etc. 
understanding Bitcoin from an economic and technical perspective takes time, which is off-putting for some. That wraps up the notes for this episode. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. Don't forget to go to podcastnotes.org and subscribe to our free newsletter. The Top 10 Ideas of the Week. Every Monday.